and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're answering your questions. Almost seven pages of your questions. So many questions that this may just be part one. But you know if that already happened since I'm in the past and you're in the future. Oh, and we'll be giving away some gift cards too. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, the SGC, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. And welcome to our newest patron, Christopher Comstock, who got it just under the wire for our Tang Garden drawing. <laughs> <laughs> and a thank you to all our other patrons as well. All right, uh, a reminder, we are on Zoom every week now. If you want to watch us record live and hang out with us before and after the show, you can go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live and click on the link there. And we have a heck of a crowd tonight. Uh, I'm just going to say like 122 people right now, I think, somewhere <laughs> in that neighborhood. <laughs> it's probably like 22 people. I'm not counting, but there's a bunch of people. <laughs> like 13. <laughs> it's a four by four grid. Well, that's just with the cameras on. There's a half a dozen people with cameras off. So, but you can <laughs> join us and it'll be fun and exciting and you can distract us in the chat and all that kind of stuff. Um, all right, let's see. What are we doing today? We're answering questions, but how was your guys' week otherwise? I have nothing, like I had no events. Every This weekend was the most boring weekend. I don't think I did anything. <laughs> I got to visit my podcast. I thought oh, you were carrying I it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I broke our toilet. I I installed three toilets. (laughs) I I broke the toilet. (laughs) So we're up to toilets then. (laughs) We're talking about toilets. Yeah. Uh, I installed three toilets since last episode. I I replaced all of the toilets in my house. Because that's what you do in quarantine life. Wait, why did you replace (laughs) your toilets? That's usually not something that you tend to upgrade. I my toilet when I first moved into this house I said I hate these toilets I'm going to replace them as soon as possible and I had a quote from a plumber and they're like oh yeah we'll replace them for five hundred dollars each and I said oh yeah no that's not going to (laughs) happen and then I went to Home Depot ordered six toilets returned three of them and then installed the other three and now I have three toilets that I'm trying to figure out how to dispose of (laughs) yeah so that's my long story short version of that Fletcher do you have a toilet story because it's table talk, <laughs> toilet talk right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast before, but like about a few months back, the toilet above me, I live in a condo building and um, the unit above me, their toilet was leaking and caused a big yucky stain on my ceiling. So that was a few Ugh. weeks of fun getting that repaired and fixed and everything. Uh, but that was a few months back. Luckily, I didn't have to pay All for right. any of it. Well, so that's good. <laughs> but i had totally a giant gaping all around. hole in my Let's... ceiling <laughs> and it was gross yeah i tried to um install a bidet and that failed and broke the toilet i <laughs> i um i did something to the fill valve which i now know the words for so many things about toilets um but yeah so i'm pretty sure we just lost you roll the one and damage now. yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh okay well we have (laughs) we have so many questions um so we're gonna go through 
this might be a two-parter. We'll just see how it goes. Because a lot of these are really good questions. Like the last time we did a questions episode, we got a lot of questions that were okay, but not like, you know, great. Yeah. Past this one, listeners. Yeah, those Ugh. questions sucked. <laughs> I'm just but saying. These listeners. <laughs> but our listeners this this time around have really stepped up. Like these are good questions. So I'm I guess I we might split into two. We'll see. But we're gonna start with Jimothy, also known as James in real life, but Jimothy to us. <laughs> Um, and he simply asks, what is the most challenging aspect of recording a podcast that most people don't know about or don't realize? So Fletcher, I'm going to start with you because I'm curious what your opinion is. What is the most challenging part of recording this podcast? Um, well, for me, I mean, for me, it's not that hard because I don't really do anything. (laughs) Um, but I'd probably (laughs) say like the most challenging thing is like making sure everybody's like schedules line up and making sure that like everything is okay. Like I know if I can't be there one week or if Kitty can't be there one week, we have to either do makeup days before or like find a guest or just decide, you know, to forge ahead anyway. Um, and just let letting other people know of our schedules. Um, and also batteries for me, that seems to be a big, <laughs> a big problem because this stupid thing chews through batteries so quickly that I had to go and buy rechargeable batteries just so I always have batteries on hand. <laughs> and the stupid thing is the recorder, because we all we record over Zoom, but we don't use the Zoom audio. We all record separately. So then we put those audio files together to make it sound a little bit more like non-internet recording. Oh, and yeah. bad internet access, too. At least for me. <laughs> yes. Actually, that's a big one. Yep. Yeah, the first, oh, I don't know, maybe 60 or 70 episodes, we were in the same place. And that made... It was like just really, really easy. We sat down, we recorded, and I would literally just take out the SD card and upload it. Like there was nothing to do. We even did all of the um, music. music in line. Yeah. So it was just like pull the card, post it. It was super simple. So easy. Um, once we went remote, now it's editing across the board. So it usually takes me an extra 20, 30 minutes. All nothing right. What about for you, Kitty? compared to editing Dice Tower News, though. No, no. No. <laughs> Which um, I will say Dice Tower News is fantastic. Yeah. Like, they're doing such a better job than we are. It's so good. <laughs> um, yes, scheduling and yes, internet issues. And also occasionally um, my child refusing to sleep on schedule. Um, now that we have like a very regular recording time, it's not so bad. But before, sometimes we'd like switch around the times. And if we had to move things up by 20 minutes, it would just forget it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would... S- say the most challenging aspect is co-hosts um (laughs) by by far trying to coordinate with the co-hosts um but really so i end up doing and this is that sounded terrible i'm gonna now i'm gonna say this i end up doing most of the show notes and essentially i do all the editing and all the posting and i basically handle all of that kitty can do it she's my backup so if i'm unable to do it she has i am capable but chris doesn't let me I, I really, that's the control freak in me. Yeah. Uh, which is the other part of it, right? It's like kind of, I like the control Two freak Two sides in me. of the same coin here. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have to do all the work because I won't let anyone else. <laughs> but honestly, when, early, early on, um, actually, we did an episode, the meta episode. We d- talked a lot about this. Although I will reference, not, that reminds me. Right now, our stream is only showing the last 100 episodes. So if you try to go before episode, I don't know, 95, you're not going to find it. I'm going to I'm gonna try to get the rest of those back in the stream. But there were 
two weeks ago there was issues with posting, and I think the the size of that stream was the problem. But anyway, hmm. um, for early on, I got all this equipment: mic stands, arms, like screens for the microphones, just so much stuff because I felt like that's what you needed to do. Eventually, I discovered I need one piece of equipment and a fifty dollar microphone. Like we don't use fancy microphones, we don't use fancy headphones or anything like that. Um, Kitty has her own mic, her own recorder, and Fletcher has his own recorder. But even those are—I don't want to say cheap because they're still like I think Kitty's was like two hundred dollars, Fletcher's like a hundred dollars. Um, but it's just one good recorder. And a good microphone, and that's all you need. And just, just, just do it. You sit down and you just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Eric is actually listening to us live right now. And Eric does a podcast. And he will meticulously go through and edit every syllable and word and everything <laughs> from this from a two-hour-long podcast. We do not do that. There is very, very little editing. In fact, I should probably do like a YouTube video on how we do the editing because I think a lot of YouTubers, not YouTubers, podcasters would really benefit from what I do. Like really just do what I do. Your life's going to be better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I saw that The control freak talking again. Everyone should be doing things my way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just, Just... my way is the best way. Deal with it. Um, but <laughs> basically, essentially what I do is I put the audio files together. Our greetings at the beginning, that's how we sync up our audio. So it's always Fletcher, Kitty, myself. Uh, once that's synced up, I run a quick filter on to strip any silence that's over half a second. So live listening, every once in a while, you'll see Fletcher, Kitty, and I just kind of stare at each other in silence. <laughs> Yep. We un- we know that that silence is going to get cut. <laughs> so that's why we do it. Because if we were to stare at each other and go, uh, that wouldn't actually get cut. So we've actually trained ourselves to be quiet. And then someone will jump in. Yeah, I guess Can that's you- something that I don't think about anymore. At the beginning, I used to be very cognizant of how often I do like verbal tics, like like or um or uh, things like that. And you just kind of get used to talking in a certain way. Yeah. Yep. But in general, I mean, everyone should do a podcast because it's easy. <laughs> Jason is wondering if we I, uploaded, I say easy. Uh, episodes quicker now than before. I think we've always done it weekly, right? We've always like uploaded from the time that we record to the time it gets published. Um, it is faster now than it was before. We, we've always done weekly. We've always done on Tuesdays. But it used to be we would record on Sundays to post on Tuesday. Now we record Monday night and I would actually not, I would delay the post to be Tuesday morning, but then WordPress stopped working for the delay and it just (laughs) wouldn't post. So now we record on Monday night. Um, I typically have the file edited by 11, 1130 and then I just post it right away. So it's usually late Monday night that gets posted, which is why if you get like a little notification, you'll get that notification late Monday night um, ready for you Tuesday morning. Is, is really the trick there. But yeah, um, the the other hard part of it is just continuing to do it. We've done 195 episodes. We've missed one week. Um, and even then, I don't think it was like a full miss. Kitty eventually posted a, an apology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's that consistency that is probably the hardest thing to do. Because there are times where the last thing we want to do is record, but because since we record Monday night, we have to record, right? And we just want to sleep. Or just it's just like, ugh. As soon as we turn the microphone on, though, 
you get that adrenaline rush and it becomes like it's fun. But getting yourself to the mic every week, I would say that that is probably the most challenging thing. Yeah. So, and that for the, yeah, the solution to that is just make it easy for you. Um, absolutely, 100%. Make it easy when you're not off the mic or you're not on the mic so that being on the mic is the fun part and the most time-consuming part, and your editing and all the other minutia that goes with it is the smallest part, which is a big reason why Kitty and I just um, committed to Dice Tower News for one year because we knew it was going to be so much work. Mm-hmm. And anything more than that, and we would have just been like, screw this, hands up, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, we got to the end of our year and we were like, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was exhausting. But yeah. Jesse and Jasper are doing great. They are, right. we've already said, better than we could ever be. Yeah. All right. Um, Fletcher, any um, questions on this list that you want to answer? And Kitty, I'm going to ask you that same question next. Hmm. All right, Kitty, I'm, ask- I'm asking you that question now as Fletcher <laughs> takes a look at him. <laughs> okay, well, This is I a fun one, one. Right. since we... Oh, All right, got- Fletcher, go. Okay, so... Benjamin Fleming, he writes, Lately, my game group has gotten really bad for getting distracted, either with kids or cell phones or side chats. It's gotten to the point where I don't enjoy the game nights anymore. They might as well just call it call it a get-together and forget the game portion. Do you guys have strategies to keep the group on track from gaming once booze starts flowing and people get distracted? <laughs> this is a good one. Um... Well, Kitty, you can't drink right now. What is your strategy? <laughs> um, I'm very Everybody guilty, though, pregnant. of the... My, my kid is uh, <laughs> making a distraction, though. So I think timing game night is very important. I think making sure that everyone really has the time to dedicate to it. Um, I think it's much harder virtually. It seems like he was talking about, um, you know... In the now times where we all <laughs> game on Zoom or something like that, it's much easier to be distracted from a chat than it is to be distracted from a physical game. Um, but I just think finding a time where everyone is committed to gaming really helps. But I don't know about drinking. That's tough because, you know, <sighs> once it derails, there's no getting it back. <laughs> there's no, There's no... There's no pulling it back from that. <laughs> so, Fletcher, do you have any advice on this one? Well, I have i don't have any advice from personal experience, but actually from doing these uh, Zoom games uh, with you guys, Vampire the Masquerade, I've noticed that Spencer actually does something. Um, when people start to get off track, he'll usually kind of like loudly interject and recap what just happened and like reiterate <laughs> like choices that we can make. Um, and I've noticed him doing that from time to time. If we start to get like off track or going down rabbit holes or something like that, he won't, you know, say like, everybody stop talking. He'll just be like, so to summarize what just happened and he'll just like restate everything and restate like obvious choices that we could, that we can make. Um, I feel that's a kind of like a good strategy of like refocusing the group on like what's at hand. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I am a culprit of I like my beverages, especially with my gaming groups. Beverages are fun. Um, I like, for me, I am going to be focused on the game. If we're playing the game, it doesn't really matter where my level is. I'm going to be focusing on the game. If I am not focused on the game, well, I say that now, yeah. (laughs) But if I'm not focused on the game, there's something about the game that is, is missing for me. So if other people are getting distracted, 
the first thing I would look at is the game itself. Is the game engaging for everybody there? Because if it's not, it's much easier to get distracted from it. So maybe it's a, you take a step back and say, okay, so last week we played this game. It didn't quite work. People, you know, weren't really focused on it. Is there something else that we think we could all play that would keep our attention more? So that's one way. The other way is I like going over the top, too. So we talked about scenario games last week. Um, there's a and, – and essentially learning new games as well. But there's a phrase in the house that we use, and it's called Drunken Chris Reads the Rules. And this has been almost a YouTube series for so long because I am more than happy to teach a game while drinking to the point where – it becomes incredibly engaging, apparently, to the other people watching. Um, I don't know if they learn the game, but they're definitely entertained by the situation. <laughs> um, so that's another way to do it. It's just kind of like everyone just go over the top into it. But you still have to be focused on the game. And it still has to be something that everyone wants to to get into. So those are a few possible ways to maybe get things back on track. And I think really just making sure we play late so that the toddlers are sleeping. That's a big one. Um, As kids get older, they don't want to sleep as much, but it's sort of making a deal with them saying, this is adult game night. You guys can over here, play this game, do this thing. You can stay up late as long as you don't bug us. But as soon as you bug us, boom, it's in the basement (laughs) of duct tape again. Deal with it. So, you know, (laughs) that's parenting, right? I'm getting there. Back to your hole. 101. (laughs) All right, Kitty, what's your question? Um, Down to John Thomas. Any out-of-print games you wish you had? What out-of-print or otherwise hard-to-find games do you wish you had in your collection? Mine would be the Kickstarter edition of Seventh Continent. Sad to say it, it was not on my radar at the time, and I regret not backing it. Mine is very easy. Battlestar Galactica. Ooh, that's a good one. It's really good. And you have it, so it's not like a total loss for me. I still get to often play it. But I think me and Spencer would probably play that game like with other people pretty frequently, not just with you and Sydney. So like it limits the people we can play with because you guys have the copy. And I'm sure you'd let us borrow it. We promise not to, you know, get let anyone have Cheetos and touch it. <laughs> <laughs> but... But it's not the same. I would love to have my own copy. Yeah, no, that's that's a really that is a really good one. Um, I think for me, most games that are out of print are hard to get. In the past, I would just go do it. I'd go to eBay, I'd track it down, I'd get it, and I'd be happy that I got it. These days, it is far less likely for me to go out and try to seek something out that is going to be hard to get. Although I still catch myself every once in a while. Um, someone mentioned on a podcast the other day a, a game that they really liked, but it was hard to get. And I immediately went out there and started researching all of the things and how much it was going to cost to get every single thing for this game. I'm like, what am I doing? Someone made a passing comment on a podcast that it was hard to get, and therefore now I must seek it out. And then I closed the browser and walked away and went downstairs and played Cthulhu Death May Die by myself, and I was happy. So uh, right now... I'm okay in general. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I understand, like, especially the Kickstarter editions of things. Um, if that's that's a tricky one, and I will go out and I've spent hundreds of dollars on completing my Arcadia Quest collection just because I missed the Kickstarter where it wouldn't have cost me anything if I had done that. If I wanted to get um, the Battlestar Galactica board game with all three expansions on eBay right now, it would only be $1,200. 
You don't need to do that. <laughs> what about there you, are Fletcher? some Anything? copies, though, that it look like it's more like 100-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to I close this window right now. I don't know if there's right any now. kind of yeah. copies of board games that I wish I had that are out of print. Maybe just kind of like some fun first edition something or other for, uh, for like the novelty of sake. it. But yeah, but I can't think of anything that would be like, oh, I wish that thing. I wish I had that game. That's not doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, no. Yeah, and it'll. And, I mean, and it's hard to say that. Like Seventh Continent is a great example because um, I'm going to relate it back to Death May Die again. But I found <laughs> I really, really like that game, and if I got the retail version of it. And I said, okay, I can get season one, I can get season two, I can get these other two Elder Gods, but I can't get the th- the fifth Elder God, and I can't get the 19 characters that are in the special box, and the three scenarios in that special box. Like, I can't get the other pieces of this that I really want to play. That's a frustrating feeling. So I, I totally understand that. And I like some people's like, well, yeah, another game is going to come out, and you don't need to play every game, you don't need to have everything. It's like, eh, sometimes you do, because, you know, we're, we're, we're people. Um, I want to do his follow-up question here. Is there any intellectual property or theme in a game that you just can't bring yourself to play? For me, I'm not a Cthulhu fan. Oh, let's stop this right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he says, I avoid any game themed around that universe. I'm also not a huge zombie game fan. So, Fletcher, any IPs that you would avoid? No, I don't think just not interested in. Not that I can think of. Like... there's ones that I would gravitate towards more, right? Like space theme, obviously. But I don't think it's like, oh, this is a farming game. Like there's like viticulture. It's like winemaking. Like I have really no interest in winemaking, but it's, you know, it's a fun game. Yeah. You're in the minority there, though, because winemaking, that's fun. <laughs> Sounds like a good way. Kitty, to I know you from. have IPs. <laughs> it is true. I can't think of any IPs like off the top of my head that I'm like, no, never. Um, I I definitely do not gravitate towards space games. I'm the opposite of both Fletcher and Chris. I'm like, hmm. Like, if I'm standing there looking at an array of games, I will not pick up the the space-themed game, usually. Um, I, I avoid basically any game with any kind of historical context. I hate <laughs> historical war games, historical basically any historical type game just not uh, not interested in for me for me i don't know i I think games are more of something where i want to pretend i'm someplace else or at least take my mind off of someplace else i don't want to relive world war ii battles or those types of things like there's just no interest in that for me it really depends on the game because i would say i'm kind of in the same boat i don't really enjoy i think that a lot of war games get tied up with like or historical games get tied up with like miniatures games too like they have that kind of baggage with them but uh yeah not not a big fan i don't know to me it always feels like there's gonna be too many pieces well one thing so i was somebody who loves risk i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah but risk to me is an abstract game right it's not a historical war game yeah, like even Axis and Allies is kind of an too abs- many pieces. <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't remember <laughs> Australia even Axis and Allies is over the world yet. Yet you just wait. Yeah, no, what's their Corona problem? Um, probably We're just bad. I would guess waiting for that ramp up. They've got to build <laughs> enough troops to get out. They've been holding <laughs> it, it for so long. Right, right cards. Um, but I'm actually I'm with John on this. Where 
I did not like any horror or Cthulhu-based games for the longest time I avoided them. Um, the only reason I got into Arkham Horror the card game is because of the system and, like, the deck building and character development and, like, the story was sort of secondary. I just kind of ignored the fact it was even there. I just liked the mechanics of the system. But as I played it more and more, I started to appreciate what the setting allows the mechanics to do. And because I was originally I'm like, why do I have hit points and sanity? This makes no sense. This is dumb. This is just an extra stat piled on top of there. It makes no, it's like, eh, whatever. Uh, but I started to grow an appreciation for the fact that these types of games, it's not about the scare or the gore or any of that. It's about coming up against unwinnable odds and doing the best you can to overcome them. And then with Death May Die, like that just took it to the whole next level. So I've become a Cthulhu fan after not liking it at all for the longest time. All right, Fletcher, you're up again. Okay, so I'm going to go with... David Rank's question: What board game? What board gaming world would we want to visit? So he writes: Some of the reasons that we love movies or the theater are because we can feel transported to different worlds, time periods, realities, etc. Often, when I am done watching a great movie, I'm sad that it's over, since it means I have to return to real life. Great board games are able to transport us as well. The successful combination of a good theme, great art, and the right mechanics can make for a great gaming experience. Of course. We see this happen in video games, that's almost expected, but it could be a bit more difficult in, for a board game to pull this off. If you were to visit or jump into the game, which one would it be and why? What world would you want to visit, especially now that we're stuck at home desperately wanting to get out? <laughs> I think I could pick for Kitty, but Kitty, you go first on this one. No, I wasn't ready to go first. Any time to think. I For you, I would just assume like anything with the, the Ryan Lockett world. Yeah, see, I don't know. <laughs> I have to think. So board games are tricky, though, because do I really want to visit the world as me, <laughs> especially yeah. in my favorite games? <laughs> because, you know, think about think about board games, right? I mean, we're already in real life pandemic, so that's an out. <laughs> we know what that feels like. Um, like, Chicago I definitely don't want to visit. A fourth cube. <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't want to visit anything with Cthulhu in it. Um, <laughs> even the space games, like all the like space 4X stuff I like, those are violent and ships are exploding and pirates are attacking me. Um, yeah, I don't think I want to live in a board game world. He says visit, <laughs> not necessarily live. I don't know. What do you think? Where, where would you go, Fletcher? Um, I mean, so I was thinking about this question, but like almost most IPs, like movie and TV show IPs and stuff like that have been turned into board games. So it's almost like an excuse to like, what world do you want to visit as long as it's been created into a board game? So it's like, uh, I don't know, Star Trek. Like who doesn't want to have a food replicator and a holodeck? Star right? Trek like, is a really good choice. It is a good choice. But that's kind of cheating because it was a TV show first and a board game later. That's true. So, I mean, if I, I guess if I had to pick maybe like, the Forgotten Realms, like D&D world. Like, it's scary and horrible, but the chance to use magic and stuff like that seems pretty cool. So, Austin mentioned, actually, I guess Taz mentioned first, um, Everdell. Everdell would be an interesting world. Woodland creatures that, you know, want to build cities. That works for tiny towns as well. I, I could see, I could see that world. world. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> or the world of viticulture, yeah. <laughs> 
I just want to live on a vineyard. I'm going to say tournament at Camelot. Santorini. So, Kitty, well, Santorini would be nice. So, Kitty, you oh, want to yeah, live Santorini. in Camelot. How fun would that be? Tournament at Camelot. And you get, like, I don't know, because you just get to visit for the tournament and watch it happen. And <laughs> there's all these, like, fantasy fun powers and magic. And it just that already exists. So it's called Medieval Times. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to go to Medieval Times right now. They closed it. <laughs> Do you know that uh, I went to Medieval Times for like my 26th birthday? <laughs> <laughs> it was Christopher great. Dong says Chocolate Factory. That'd be a good one. Um, Sean's like Carcassonne. That would be that'd be a right. Actually, Carcassonne would be such a boring place to visit. Look at this road. Exactly. Oh, it's, yeah, it's They're, not like, finished yet. <laughs> Austin says Camelot is a bad time, but. I don't want to live there forever. I just want to visit. Zombies if I out. had Michael- to live somewhere forever, I would definitely choose something with indoor plumbing. Michael says zombicide. Um, all right. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> betrayal. Betrayal is yeah. a good one. Um, actually, no, betrayal is not a good one. It's not a good one. <laughs> I was trying I to pick the that- worst one. <laughs> Star Trek is the best one. Test you your listening skills. <laughs> Star Trek is the best one. Star Wars would be kind of fun too, but Star, no, Star, Star Wars is one. up there with Camelot. It's in an active rebellion. You're being attacked by the Empire most of the time. Everyone dies. Oh, good point. Fine. Everyone except like the four people die. <laughs> Based so on that note, I want to do a. <laughs> this is a non-game related one, and hopefully everyone doesn't die. And um. Austin asked whether or not Keyforge would work. And actually, living on the Crucible would be kind of fun. I cannot wait for the role-playing book to come out for the source material for the Crucible, which is the world that Keyforge is set on, which is just like everything. Everything thrown all into one place. Um, But here is a question from Lance Coffee, And this is a deep question. During COVID, what have you discovered you can do without? What can you not do without? After playing a newly published game, have you ever gone to discover a game from the past that is similar? But, well, that's an add-on question. But let's just do the first (laughs) one first. Because of the pandemic. So we've all been in lockdown for about two months now. Most everyone that can listen to us probably has been anyway. Um, What have you discovered, you guys, that you don't miss? That you're like, oh, I thought I needed this, but eh, I don't really miss this at all. Shopping for groceries. And hopefully that's not... Shopping for groceries, okay. <laughs> you could have them delivered just fine. You're happy with that? Yeah, even though it costs a little bit more. What am I good to live without? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. What have you learned that you don't need? Nothing. I would just say, like, going <laughs> shopping aimlessly for stuff. <laughs> like, I used to wander Target. Like, you know, you go in for Target for, like, one thing, and you leave with, like, oops, I spent $100. Like, <laughs> that kind of shopping. I don't need that kind of shopping. I've saved so much money by not wandering aisles of Target. I would, I think the thing that I've learned more than anything, and it's it's sort of related, it's not a direct what you need, human interaction I need. However, yes. being able to have interactions with my friends over Zoom on a more regular basis, that to me, like, I, I don't want to say that I can live without real interactions with people. But I can live without every interaction with people having to be real. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of things that we've learned to do differently during this pandemic that we would not have realized that we even needed to learn how to do beforehand. So 
Yeah. Now, I think this other part of the question, though, what can you not do without? I think this one, right off the bat, human interaction. Yeah. When When you see those people that are not your immediate family and you're like, wow, this just feels weird. But at the same time, it's I, I just it's right. Um, I, <laughs> I just I I don't I, it's you know what I mean, right? What's the last time Fletcher you saw someone besides Carbon like interacted uh, with that I interacted with besides yeah. like someone at like Walgreens or something like that, like a clerk? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like an hour plus long visit where you're in the same place and talking like you know oh, humans do an hour plus long. Jeez, I don't know. But I mean, I talk to, I, I live in the city, right? So I have neighbors that live like below me and above me and to the left of me. So sometimes we bump into each other. So not you're literally, like shouting like, through walls? <laughs> well, we, we have like a common deck area, right? Like there's decks ah. stacked on top of each other. So like if some people are on the deck, you can like chat from deck to deck, just like you see like those videos of in people Italy doing. Um, but this is our own little area. So, I mean, I've had minutes long conversation with people maybe like 10 minutes long but not hours yeah like i said sydney's parents have started coming over and every time they do now it just feels like we're doing something forbidden and it's like all right you know in-laws are not maybe the first pick of people that i want to hang out with for (laughs) you know three four hours at a time but at the same time it's like oh you're real breathing humans wow this is this is nice so other than that though what can i not do without I don't know. Is there anything you guys cannot do without? Like the first thing you when when you're able to go outside again, what's the first thing you're gonna do? I miss going to restaurants and bars. Yeah, eating out. Yeah, that's a big one. We've got some in the chat. Um, going to the movies, going to a movie yeah. theater. Um, I don't do that because I have a child. But yeah, that sort I of stops when you have a kid too. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm also seeing gaming groups. I miss my gaming group is coming up in the chat. Luckily, we've moved our gaming group to digital. Um, oh, playgrounds. Yes. Taz, great point. I miss going to the park. I miss going to the library for story time. I miss taking my kid out of the house to like have other people entertain him for a bit because it is exhausting all day keeping up with a little little toddler. Um, at least so... I have also been um, seeing my parents now, and my sister lives with them. So getting that help from that family has been huge since I am now also huge. <laughs> and I don't know how I would be doing without that because, oh, man, keeping up. Yeah. I miss daycare. I miss – and for some of the same reason of it gives us a break. But at the same time, it allows him to interact with other oh kids. Oh, my gosh, seeing other kids, playing with other kids, like – it's just a bummer. Yeah. And he doesn't get it. And he keeps asking to go to his swim lessons. And it's making me sad that I can't take my kid to swim lessons. It's a bummer. Yeah. Um, Michael says gaming at his local game store. Uh, yeah. Sean's like, he misses his job. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a big one, right? I mean, I work from home. And I we now, like, all our conference calls used to be just audio conference calls. And now we turn on our cameras pretty much every chance we get just so we can get that face-to-face interaction. time yeah. Yep. I mean, right now we're sitting, you know, again, there's, I don't know, 15 or so people um, plus us. And most of us have our camera on. Why? Because we want to see each other, right? <laughs> like, 
it's there's just something about that that face to face contact and the gaming group's a big thing. Um, it is hard. To, like we have substitute gaming things. We can play games online. We can play things over Zoom. But gaming is a tactile thing, and being in one place and handling the same components—God forbid—that's um, a big thing, right? That's that's fun. Uh, Jason says traveling is a big one. Yep. Um, yeah. So Rachel misses the beach. I think the beaches will be if we can do it responsibly. I think beaches will be one of the safer places to be. Um, actually, I wasn't I don't going. Know. Have you seen pictures of Florida? I don't yeah. know if we're good at doing uh, it safely. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and while we're on the Corona, we're going to do one more Corona question. Um, but, you know, I listen to way, <laughs> way too much stuff on this. Um, Austin says, remember places? I miss places. <laughs> I miss I'm places. with you, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just not I... my house. Being anywhere that's not my house. <laughs> uh, um. So a related question from Robert. Um, My question is, can we play games in person like normal while social distancing? My Gloomhaven group is playing as normal, but I'm reluctant to join him as they haven't adjusted the way they play. I think you could sit back and only have one person touch the pieces, but that's not not their opinion. What do you think I should do? So first of all, big, big, big thing. Do not listen to us. We're not medical experts. We have (laughs) no idea. (laughs) Even the medical experts have no idea. Um. I will say, though, if you're already in the same room with people, touching the same pieces, if you're in the same room with someone for four to six hours, <laughs> touching the same pieces is not going to put you at any greater risk than yeah. than not touching the pieces. Sean suggests tongs. <laughs> tongs. Tongs could work. Long tongs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but just, like, be smart. With the whole social distancing thing. And one of the things that we've been doing is opening up our quarantine circles. So, Kitty, you just mentioned doing that with your mm-hmm. um, your parents and your sister, who live literally down the block, and they yes. live in the same house. So, you are now joining those two quarantine groups together. Yeah. I think that this is... we're still is... quarantined. Each of those houses is not yeah. really going out into the world. Yeah. And we've done that as well. You know, um, our babysitter and her boyfriend, you know, we consider ourselves part of the same quarantine group. So if we want to play a game, we can invite them over. And it's, we're not adding any additional risk. Both groups are quarantined on their own. And then we also interact with each other. So that's one way that we handle it with like gaming groups. Um, Fletcher, Kitty, and I have not actually joined groups yet because. We it's rarely just... get together in person when there's not a quarantine. <laughs> exactly. We live so, what like in a triangle. It takes 45 minutes for the close of a closest of us to get together. <laughs> yeah. Um but if we were in the same building still, if we were back in the Kimball building, you we know, we'd 100% have never be in the same group. Bother. Yeah. Right. So you just have to be careful. Um again, not medical experts. Um just be safe in your own regard. Understand the risk factors. Understand if you're with a gaming group and, you know, one of them is, you know, on the front lines and uh, exposed very frequently. Maybe that's not the best person to let into your quarantine group. Um, but if you are all working from home and nobody leaves the house and the best thing you do is go and get groceries from the front porch, you're probably okay to interact with those people. Again, make your own risk assessments. Don't take my advice. <laughs> Don't listen to Chris. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Fletcher, do you have a question that's not Corona related? Yes. Miles Clark, he writes, what are your thoughts on board or miniature gaming? Gaming being like televised sport, like a televised sport. Would you want to watch a big game like this where you can either tune in or play and pause at your leisure? What do you think? ESPN 17? <laughs> We've already we moved past the Ocho. We don't even get the on Ocho. there. <laughs> nope. Um, it depends on the game. There are some games where I would maybe watch it, but um not a lot. <laughs> I mean, you can already watch like chess and dominoes and stuff, so it's kind of already a thing. Yeah. Well, so you can watch a whole lot more. Um I have come to a new perspective regarding this. First of all, um, tabletop. All right, someone help me in the chat. Will Wheaton's table is it just tabletop? Um, I know he doesn't do it anymore, yes. but back at that time, it was essentially a reality show where they played a board game. They would cut out. They would do interviews with the players, talk about strategy. It was incredibly well put together and very, very entertaining to watch. I've not seen anyone take it to that level yet, again, um, but there are some that are actually pretty, pretty good. So it depends a lot on the people who are playing the game and what they're trying to do. Are they trying to play the game to give you an idea of how it plays? Are they trying to show you what a review is? Are they trying to teach you the game? Those types of things can be hit or miss. Are they trying to play the game because they're trying to be entertaining? That is a whole never, another level. And Kitty, you do this all the time, right? Think of all the actual plays you play. I mean, it's D&D. I don't play any of them. I just listen to them. <laughs> that you listen to, right? You are yeah. listening essentially to someone else play these games. Yeah. They're, and, you know, actual plays for role-playing games are huge right huge. now. Huge. So tabletop games, not every single one of them is going to hit the mark. The one of the things that's nice about like a role-playing game is you get into the story and you get into the characters and the personalities behind them. In a tabletop game, if you're watching people play competitive chess, it's a very limited audience. If you're watching people play Gloomhaven and they're putting personality to those characters, that may be something that actually it's is a still really a interesting thing to watch. Audience. <laughs> well, but it's it's one of those things. It's all limited audiences. Oh, it's you're not so as... eye rolls from the live feed. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Except for maybe poker. I'm just saying poker's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah so I'm saying that's we probably not so much for a people... limited audience. Yeah, maybe. I think we need commentators, and I volunteer. Let me know, anyone <laughs> who wants me. You know, I will learn all of the minutiae. I think that's what makes um, poker successful for people to watch, is because I would not just sit and look at the table, even with all the special graphics they put up, even being able to see the cards. I don't know enough. But when they have somebody who knows what's going on, who's telling me what's going on, and especially somebody entertaining who I want to listen to, who is going to, when things get boring, tell a fun story or throw in some history, those kinds of things. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> I would say I agree with you. I think commentator commentation is the key. So you can do it in one of three ways. Number one, you can just be story-based. So again, role-playing, actual plays. You just are absorbing the story. It's like listening to a radio show or watching yeah. a radio show being taped. Number two is the tabletop method of reality TV, right? The game yeah. is going on, but there's enough where the, the players themselves are self-commentating on what's going on and what they're yeah. thinking. And number three is a commentator. 
someone who's explaining the game and, oh, wow, I can't believe they just did that. And you need to have a technical one and a color. You need to write up sports, right? That's gonna, why you and me are going to start Keyforge, and you're going to do the technical, and I'll do the color, and it'll be great. <laughs> we just need people to play, you know, with no audio for us. There we go. <laughs> Easy peasy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would think there is a market for it. I think Tabletop with Will Wheaton probably made that very clear. Um, it's sad that that fell out the way it did, but mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's something there. I think there's something there. Um, let's see. Oh, Eric mentioned like Rodney Smith used to watch it played used to be watching him play a game. He would teach the game. And then the next like six episodes would be him playing the game. And then the listeners, well, the viewers could like input on what he should do and stuff. What should your next move be? Yeah. And that was fun to watch. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was very entertaining and it was good stuff. I liked it. Um, Kitty, do you have a question? I do. Um, Am I allowed to peek into the vault? Uh, sure, because I don't know what that means, but yes. <laughs> Austin has a question about Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, we can do this one. <laughs> um, when you're looking at a Kickstarter or at a game Kickstarter, what sort of thing appeals to you? Images, gameplay videos, rulebook examples, animated GIFs. I've seen it all. These... Um, I've seen all of these and have been wondering how effective each thing is. So for those who don't get the end of the vault thing, there are certain topics that Kitty and I are not allowed <laughs> to talk about anymore. Um, Kickstarter is one of them. But since Austin asked, we, <laughs> we can won't be talking one. about who belongs and does not belong on Kickstarter. That is forbidden. We, forbidden. we will not discuss that ever again. You can find <laughs> those episodes. All right. So what do you look for when you are looking for a Kickstarter? So the number one thing that draws me to a Kickstarter is the art. Um, The way that I check out Kickstarter, because I do it pretty much weekly, I want to say, I go on and I sort by tabletop games, show me the newest first. And then I scroll, there's little like thumbnails, basically. And art title is what you see there. That will get me to click on a game. Um, and then I definitely, I like a video. I like to hear a person talk about the game. I like to see passion and I look for games that have mechanics that I know that I like already. So yeah, I would say that those are my top things that I look for. How about you, Chris? I would agree with pretty much everything there. Um, I was in the game industry, the video game industry for over a decade. And I was a game designer and programmer, not an artist. And I always used to say the the most important thing about a game is actually, you know, the gameplay itself. And what I've learned is, no, it isn't. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is having something that's appealing that makes people want to play the game so that they can understand how good it is. There are exceptions. There's some exceptions where it's just an atrociously bad art, <laughs> but the game itself play is so compelling that people come and play it anyway. But for the most part, art sells your game. You cannot skimp on that aspect of it. Um, but that's going to get you there. It may not actually get backers. So the next thing you want to do is you want to have a good video. And these days, you probably want to go out. If you're going to put something on Kickstarter, you probably want to go out and have a professional video made. Um, you're going to put something up there, spend what it takes to get a nice two-minute video with nice art, animation, music, um, 
narration. It is very easy to tell when someone is like voiceovering their own video. Or if you just put the camera on you and you're in your living room and talk about how much you made this game, that's a tricky one, right? I I do like some of those, but I think sometimes the designers get so passionate, they forget how to talk about their games at a basic level, if yeah. that makes sense. I, I like the combination. I like the one that has the, the professional video up front, and then maybe the last 30 seconds yeah. is the designer coming on and saying, hey, I'm this has human. been my passion. <laughs> yeah, this is what I've been doing for the last whatever. Um, having a rule book and having the rule book edited and ready to go on your Kickstarter is going to be a huge, huge um, thing. Most Kickstarters don't do that. Most Kickstarters I look at do not actually have a downloadable rule book, which to me is a crime. Don't put your game on Kickstarter without a finished rule book. Even if you know that rule book's going to change, yeah. I want to look through the rules. I want to see how this game plays. And I want to feel like the rule book's professional because it's going to make me think that this game has a chance of being created. It's, it is also feels professional. Um, and then otherwise, like gameplay, all the other stuff is just kind of whatever. Um, don't worry about stretch goals and and all of that. For If you're doing a first publish, don't. Don't get into that because even though stretch goals are kind of they're neat, they're really for these giant games. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have a miniatures game without stretch goals. It's sort of a, a law. Um, but if you're just doing like a card game, don't make stretch goals. Adding two more cards, adding four more cards. If you want to do stretch goals that make the card quality better, because that's literally you have to have a higher print run to be able to afford it. Yeah. That's one thing. That's a good one. Um, but don't hide gameplay behind stretch goals because you may never meet those stretch goals. And then what do you do? You're you're trying to throw out a partial game. So yeah, that would be my my advice. Fletcher, have you you have not yet interacted with Kickstarter at all, right? Not in the game side. Not on the game side. No. I mean, if I were looking at something, and I guess this goes for like anything on Kickstarter, I just want like polish, like as much polish as you can put into your presentation. Um, the more likely I am to back it or think it you know think that it was done well because if there's not a lot of polish in your presentation and your video and your images then i think like well the product can't be that great because your video is junk so even though obviously it doesn't like it's not a one-to-one relationship it doesn't necessarily mean that i just can't help but think that yeah i would agree um austin has a a question that a second question is pretty quick um what would be the best current what would be the best Keyforge set to start with? The current one or waiting for announcement for a new set? Um, the current set is great. That's Worlds Collide. The new set will be out in July, um, and that's Mass Mutation. I would say if you're getting into Keyforge right now, just get Worlds Collide. Mass Mutation is going to be fine, but Worlds Collide is fantastic, and that'll be around forever, too. So you really can't pick a wrong Keyforge set besides m- maybe um, the second one, but um, Worlds <laughs> Collide is a good one. <laughs> Uh, all right, we are running low on time, and we still have a ton of questions. So we're going to do some rapid-fire ones here real quick. Um, Benjamin asks, what would he budget for... What budget would he... S- what is the budget for going to Origins <laughs> in 2021? So his birthday's around June. He wants to go to Origins for 2021. Hasn't been to a convention. Comes from Canada. What should be the budget there? Um, like whole budget or like games budget? whole i would say whole budget like how would you budget out origins 
I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's e- um, what I would say is easy. Check hotel rooms. That's going to be your biggest expense. Yeah. Short of travel. If you're flying in hotel and travel, those are your bis- biggest expense. And at that point, um, food at Origins is actually pretty easy to come by. Um, it's not super crazy priced. Don't need the convention center, but there's tons of food around there. So you're maybe looking at, you know, 20 $30 a day per person for food. And then you, know, you can do things like at so many different price points. Like if food is not that important to you, you know, maybe budget just to eat dinner out every night. And then, you know, you can bring packets of oatmeal and, you know, stop at a store and get lunch meat. You don't have to go yeah. out for every single meal. Like you don't have to spend a ton of money. Um, I don't know. Chris always does things like the most expensive way. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing I would say is budget for games. Um, yeah. Origins isn't huge for new games, but there's a bunch of stuff there you're going to want to buy and you're there. So um, that is just whatever your budget can afford. Whatever expendable income you have, that's that's the one. Um, <laughs> a quick follow-up question. I've had this asked a number of question times from um, people, but uh, how do you follow me on Kickstarter? You have to friend me on Facebook first. How do you friend me on Facebook? Uh, re- find me, um, Chris Steele, Chicago. Uh, you'll should see a picture of me. But in any case, you'll be really confused because um, he has hair. Yes, I, oh, I do have hair in the picture, don't I? You do. But um, it's weird. I'm I'm holding a little baby. Um, no, no, I don't have picture because I'm holding Zachary. Like I didn't have hair when you've I changed your profile picture from like the last one you had for like eight years. I did. I did. Um, but <laughs> if you My friend me. Changed. Send me a comment or a message or something letting me know that you heard me on the podcast because I get a lot of strange invites and I'm like, this person doesn't <laughs> look like a gamer. So don't make me stereotype you. Um, just let me know. <laughs> um, all right. Some of these we are going to save for next week because we are going to do a part two of this. Um, yeah, awesome. We're bad at time management. We're really bad at this. Uh, Tim asked us, why no actual play podcast during the apocalypse? Mostly because we just converted our vampire game into an online game. So we're already playing a vampire game every night. And it was midstream and not the most streamable of games. Um, Also, I would say none of our lifestyles have really changed that much, except we don't leave the house. But um, we're all working the same amount that we have always worked, except for Chris. And you are working moderately less, (laughs) maybe. Yeah. Um, Heather asks, can we give a shout out to her game that's going to be on Kickstarter starting, well, today, as you hear this podcast, um, Tuesday, what, May 18th or whatever, um, May 19th, uh, it's called Pandora's Box. It's a card game. It looks pretty cool. So I'm considered this shouted out. I'll put a link in the show notes, but, um, I like when listeners say, Hey, I have a Kickstarter. Can, can you mention it? And yes, essentially, if you're a listener and you're going to put something on Kickstarter, Send me an email. I am more than happy to give you a shout out. Um, let's see here. Maybe one more question. Um, oh, this is actually a really good one. And we're going to end. We're going to go a little bit long in this. Not too long, but a little bit long in this. Because this question here, I really, really like. You. This is from Eric Sealander. Um, you've been talking about how your activities in the hot board game hobby have evolved through the last few years. How do you think this compares with the typical hobby gamer? And where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years in the hobby? So I, I, like I say, this is a really good question to go out on. Um, 
And damn it, Sam has a question underneath here that I want to answer too. Is Dominion a scenario game? Short answer, yes. Um, longer answer, <laughs> sometimes. Usually not, but sometimes yes. All right, Eric's question. Kitty, where do you see yourself in the hobby in the last five to 10 years? And how have you changed in the last four years that we've been doing the podcast? So how have I changed in the last four years and where do I see myself in the future? Correct? Yep. Um, over the last four years, I went from somebody who owned maybe three board games to somebody who is constantly um, bringing new games in and shuffling games that I did not enjoy out. I have probably a collection of uh, 20 to 30 games now. Um, I play a much larger variety of games. I'm sadly less likely to play games over and over again that I enjoy because there's always something new to try. Um, but I I don't think I've become cult of the new. I don't think I move on to new games as quickly as some others might. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so where do you see yourself in five years? I really don't see things changing all that much. I see myself maybe getting more into um, hobby games with my kids as they get older um right now you know i think pengaloo is still too hard for <laughs> player three he's not quite there yet but uh um so i would like to kids. see more family games more kids friendly hobby games that you know we can grow as a family playing games All right fletcher what about you where are you going to be in five years with games uh hopefully with a bigger closet filled with more games <laughs> <laughs> uh, start browsing really kickstarter it'll just happen right <laughs> Uh, it's really space is my biggest constraint. Um, hopefully finding more of a gaming group local to me to play more local games. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's about right. All right. Um, for Since me, you guys moved away. I am definitely, <laughs> yeah, I am definitely going more towards, um, finding fewer games that I really like playing versus needing to go out and get a bunch of games that I'm exploring. Um, I think I've done the exploring. Uh, there are still games that I'll get just simply because they look really interesting or unique. But for the most part, I'm now looking for games that I can imagine myself playing and then playing again, which sounds maybe like what everyone should do, but it's not <laughs> what I've done. You know, at the beginning of this podcast, I would buy a game even if I never saw myself playing it. I just want to buy the game to read the rule book. Now I'm to a point where if I don't think I'm going to play it, even though I will... That, that instinct of, oh, I should still get it. Nah, I'm never going to play this. I don't have a place for it. I'm not going to do it. I back away. So um, I'm getting more expansions. Like my Kickstarter stuff is more um, designers I know or expansions to games that I like as opposed to brand new stuff. Things um, you know you'll actually play. <laughs> yep. And and same with Kitty. Like, you know, I have a one-year-old right now. You know, five years ago, he'll be six that's a pretty good time to start getting into some pretty cool games. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool kids games out there too, that adults can like too. And in 10 years, like he'll just be able to play everything that I can play. Um, yeah. So, and you know, Kitty and I both have another one on the way. So really in 10 years, we'll have two kids of prime gaming age. And mm -hmm. I look forward to being a board game family where it's just, you know, part of what we do I'm super excited to just drop my kids at your house and let them play D&D &D while I get to be an adult. Yeah. 
Yep. And send them to the basement. They can DND they DM themselves. Um, you know, so that's the kind of thing where player three that's and Zachary really... can duke it out who's the DM. <laughs> yep. And we can play our adult games upstairs, which involve <laughs> drunken Chris reads the rules. <laughs> All right. On that note, Fletcher, is our spreadsheet up to date with everybody who's in the chat now? If they were here and left, that's fine. Don't don't take them out. Um, but just make sure everyone who's <laughs> you here missed is, your is there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is up to date. All right. So the way that we are doing this is um, for those who are listening, I'm just going to describe this to you because it's amazing and fascinating. I'm bringing up a Google Sheet and I'm sharing the screen with everyone who's watching right now. And it's just awe-inspiring. I'm telling you, that's a white sheet with black letters. It's incredible. So, um, there's Some a winner on here right now that is not... <laughs> white with black letters. Um, the, the thing that says winner on there is not the person who won. Um, the way this works is every time I make a change to this spreadsheet, the winner jumps around. It'll jump to someone new. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to change the spreadsheet five times. So, it'll be five, four, three, and the winner will jump around each time. Um... When I hit one, whoever it lands on, that's the person who wins the first $50 gift card. And then we will do that again. And then we will do that again for the Patreon side of things. So that's all there is to it. This is what we've been doing for all of our contests for the last four years. This is essentially how it's worked. So going for the first winner, five, four, three, two, one. And the winner is David Rank. Is David in the chat right now? Uh, yep, there he is. All right, so David, all you got to do is tell me Amazon, give me a thumbs up, or cool stuff, give me a thumb sideways. <laughs> no thumb means I get to pick, and it's going to be Petco. <laughs> 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 um, all right, our second winner is five, four, three, two, one. Oh, all right, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Terrence. Terrence, one or other one. Okay, so Terrence, um, I can't see your video right now, but you'll tell me, Amazon or, or uh, cool stuff. All right, now we're going to do, actually, before I move on, let me bold those, because otherwise I will literally forget. So <laughs> now on the patron side. back is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I ever listen to this? So our patron winner, and this is for Tang Garden, um, and hopefully it's someone domestic, because... Shipping right now is is fun, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens. If it's not domestic, we will we'll handle that. I promise. Five, four, three, two, one, and the winner there is Matthew Droke. I don't think Matthew's in the chat right now, but Matthew, um, shoot me an email saying, "Hey, I heard my name," and Matthew's one of our newest patrons. So this is all it takes. You just you know give us money, we yeah. give you stuff. It's Just like a couple bucks for quick. Weeks, that's right, it. Two dollars <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I'd leave. All right. So that was that's our drawing. Now we are going to do more questions next week. Um, does that mean we're going to do another fifty dollars gift card drawing next week? Yes. Yes, we're going to do one more, just the exact same way this we did this week. So if you're in chat, <laughs> you're going to be entered. And everyone who sent in questions because there were so many and they were all so good, um, you will also be in the running for a gift card. If you've already won, you will not win again. Um, but you should listen anyway, because, you know, we're entertaining like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Um, all right. I lost my thing, but Kitty, I think it's up. No, it's my turn, right? I have to do the Facebook thing. Yeah, you thing. have to do your thing first. 
That's okay. always what reminds me to scroll to the right spot of the notes. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Follow us on Facebook. Do the thing. Um, tabletop Game Talk Podcast on Facebook. Twitter's jo- Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty's Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher's Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Uh, you can follow us on Patreon or you know back us on Patreon at tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. And... Tabletop Game Tech is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. All right, Fletcher, you got out of this because Sean sent us an <laughs> audio file. And as as it goes, I do not listen to these ahead of time. So we'll just see how this goes. Okay, I'm going to do my very best not to butcher your names. Apologies in advance. Adam Harrison, the SGC, the Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrick, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Loom, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adriana Dong, Nate, Faz Flinton, Peck Tech, Eric Sealander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wachowiak, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstead, Ron Nelson, Sarah Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lotz, Angus Toth, Paul Reimer, Timothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jess Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, and Sam Lassett Brown. How'd I do? This is like my fourth try. <laughs> <laughs> and Christopher Comstock. <laughs> Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 questions left we can do that next week right (laughs) oh my god i don't know if it'll be enough